God that comes to us today is from Jesus, who says, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Before I start, this is a hard thing for Lutherans. Many of you are sitting close to the front row. Thank you for all the people who have joined us today, forcing an uncomfortable, uh, out of you know, comfort zone, sitting near the front. We still have empty seats in the very front, though, if anyone wants to, to move on up. Well, uh, today we have a great text before us, our gospel text. Today, if you've noticed, is the, the end of the church year. It says, uh, I think our bulletin cover says, last Sunday of the church year. Next Sunday starts Advent, where the church year starts. It's not the same as our calendar year, but it's the end of the church year. So here on this end of the church year, we focus on the end, the end of the world, which is really, as Jesus describes it, the, the beginning, a brand new beginning that he ushers in on the last day. And Jesus is really clear. He had been in chap- Matthew chapter 24 and 25. He's answering the question, when will the temple be destroyed? What will be the sign of your coming, Jesus? That's what his disciples ask him. And he explains it in parables. Uh, The last couple were like, the kingdom of heaven is like maidens who wait for a bridegroom. Or the kingdom of heaven is like a man who went on a journey and he gave treasures to his servants. But now it's no parable. He's just straight up telling us the truth. He was telling us the truth all along, but now it's very clear. Look in your gospel reading. There are four figures in this, this end that we're going to read about. And actually, before we go on, this is a really important thing that we get, not only that we understand it, but that we trust rightly. So would you pray with me? Oh, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Open our ears as you say, let him who has ears hear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus comes to us. The first figure is Jesus, right? He He shows us this is what the end is like. He says, when the Son of Man comes. Who is the Son of Man? Jesus has been calling himself the Son of Man all along. And at first people didn't get it, but if you read Daniel 7, it says, look, I saw Daniel. He sees a vision of God. He says, I saw in the night one like the Son of Man present with the Ancient of Days. And this Son of Man will have all kingdoms that people would worship him. He calls himself this Son of Man And what's he doing? He says he sits when he comes in his glory. So this is different than any other son of man. Like Ezekiel called himself a son of man. I'm just a regular old guy. That's not what Jesus says here. He comes in his glory with his angels. Do you own any angels? No. You might have a guardian angel or many, but you don't own them. Jesus says, I own them when the Son of Man comes with his angels. So that's the first figure. He also calls himself, as it continues, the king. And the people here call themselves, uh, call him Lord. So he is the Son of Man, the King of glory, the Lord. And he sits on his throne and he's going to judge. Right? This is not uh, like the Supreme Court where you have to deliberate and figure out what it is. It's very clearly. When they show up, Jesus can see, just like a shepherd can see, those are my sheep. And those are my goats. And it's not like sheep and goats are good and bad. It's just that you can tell the difference. Right? Can you tell the difference between a sheep and a goat? Sometimes it's confusing, right? You have some goats that look like sheep and vice versa. But if you're a shepherd, yeah, you got it figured out. So the next group is shepherds, and those are the sheep, rather. And the sheep are those who will be 
on the right of this judgment. And they are the ones that the king says, come, you who are blessed by my father, come, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. God's will, as we pray in the Lord's Prayer, is finally done. Right? These people, the sheep, are ushered into the eternal kingdom. It's beautiful. And we'll look at what they say and what, what they experience here on this judgment. They basically say uh, to the Lord, uh, well, the Lord says to them, come because or for I was hungry, you gave me food, and so on. If you look at your bulletin cover, these are the things that those people there say. Uh, these are called the seven acts of mercy, just kind of a, a, a teaching in the Christian church from centuries ago. These are the things that they say. When did I, that, that you, let me pause here. I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Naked, you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. In prison and you came to me. That are, that, that's these seven acts of mercy. So he, said, she, he says, you've done these. Right? So those are the sheep. And they're surprised by the judgment. When did we do these things? They weren't trying to get credit. They were just doing them. And then the next figure, it says, is, well, go to the the fourth one. The fourth one mentioned is the goats, those who sadly are cursed, right? Blessing means a good word spoken to them. A curse is a bad word spoken to them. And this, this group are not doing God's will. You see it? Look at verse 41. Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for what? The devil and his angels. This group vetoes God's will and says, let my will be done. It was never God's plan that anyone would go to hell. It's right here. You can see it. And then they try to say, well, I thought we did all the right stuff. And then Jesus says to them, As you didn't do it to one of the least of these, you didn't do it to me. Well, those are the three groups, but there's a fourth group that we'll get to in a moment. Um, Actually, let's look at it now. Go back to verse 40. The sheep say, when did we do these? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Right? That's the fourth group is brothers. So there are sheep, goats, the great king, and then there's the brothers, including the least of these. So you all think this is an important thing? It's important that we understand it, and it's important that we trust rightly. Is there anything greater to understand? Right? Stock market, not not greater, right? How to do our job, how to interact with our family, how to pay the bills. None of it even pales in comparison who to marry, where to go to college, where to get buried, none of it matters in comparison, right? So it's important that we understand it. Are we the sheep or are we the goats? There is no greater question, right? Okay, in the history of the church there, well, let me just back up. There's a guy named Sherman Gray who looked at this text and every theologian in the church from early days, like St. Athanasius, Augustine, uh, Aquinas, Luther, all the way up to, to this time. And he's, he surveyed two, about 280 different theologians who wrote about this text. And he found pretty much this. 
before 1900, almost every theologian agreed on what this text meant, especially the question, uh, who are Jesus' brothers? And the second half, since 1900, almost every Christian reads it a different way. That should send an alarm bell off to us. If everyone in the church read it one way, and then now, since 1900, everyone reads it a different way, we might want to just at least consider all those saints of God who came before us, right? Does that make sense? Okay, so I can tell you the 1900 and beyond, in fact, the way that you probably hear this. Here it is. The great king will come, and he will divide you, sheep and goat. The sheep are those who have done the good things. They have taken care of those who are hungry and thirsty. They have welcomed strangers. They have clothed the homeless. They have visited those in prison. They have visited the sick, and they have taken care of those at their deaths. And the ones that have done it, they get eternal life. The ones that haven't, they don't. That's how you will hear it since 1900. That's how most people hear it. And if we hear it that way, we never know if we're a sheep or a goat because we don't know if we've done enough of these acts of mercy. I did some, sometimes. I gave coats to the homeless. I did try to support people uh, at Thanksgiving time, I tithed and hope my church gave some money. But you never know if you've done enough, right? How do you know if you've done enough? If you're not a goat and said, oh, I thought I did it, I guess I didn't. That's kind of a serious question, isn't it? Well, that's the way that most people read it today. And it is not good news. Now, let me back up. Is it good to take care of people in need. Right? On this same day, Matthew 22, Jesus is in the temple. And he says, you know, these are the two great commandments. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbors. Right? He taught about the good Samaritan. Who was his neighbor? The one who took care of the man in need. Right? Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. And he says, give to the needy. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. So he says, do good to all. Paul says, do good to all people, especially the household of faith. So is it important? to do these acts of service? Everybody? Absolutely. Yeah, we ought to do them. So when I tell you the other interpretation before 1900, I'm not saying don't do those things. I'm going to show you how we can do them. So let's look at this most important phrase. As much as you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. The question is, well, who are the least of these, my brothers? Since 1900, it's the homeless it's those in prison. It's those in the mental institution. No matter what. It's just all of them, right? But before 1900, the church has always read this this way. They've read the Gospel of Matthew as a story. One story that interprets itself. So who are the least of these? My brothers. It's important to know who the brothers are, right? Okay. In the Gospel of Matthew, I think it's around 38 or 39 times, the word brother shows up. About half of it, it literally means Jesus' brothers. Judas, James, Simon. Talking about those guys, or stepbrothers, we could say. The other half of the time, it sounds like this. This is Matthew 12. This is probably the most clear instance, the end, end of Matthew 12. Jesus' literal brothers or half-brothers and his mother come and stand outside. There's a big crowd uh, with Jesus. And Jesus replied to the man who said, hey, uh, who said, come outside. And he says to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? 
So Jesus is going to tell us who his brothers are. You might know this. And stretching out his hand toward the disciples, he said, here are my mother and sisters and brothers. Those who do the will of God are my mother and sister and brothers. So in the Gospel of Matthew, over and over it says the, the, the brothers are the disciples, those who follow Jesus. It's not just anybody out there. Now, we are brothers in Adam, right? Everybody out there is your brother as a human. But there's a separate brotherhood that we have as a disciple of Jesus. We could say sisterhood as well. As well. That word is included there. So the brother is those who follow Jesus. And Matthew, as he ends his gospel, is really clear on this. Uh, I love the story. Jesus, he's crucified. He rises from the dead, Matthew 28. And the women show up to him. And he says, rejoice. It's translated greetings in your version. It's, this, it's the word that means rejoice. I think Jesus was happy on Easter morning. What do you think? Yeah. He says, rejoice. And then he says these words to the women at the tomb. He says, uh, Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Go tell my brothers that I'm risen. Go to Galilee. We're going to meet up, like I said. And then at the end of the chapter, it says, Now the eleven disciples found him or went to the mountain in Galilee. So all of us as disciples are brothers and sisters. But there's a select group of brothers that, that show up in, in this gospel, and that is the, the apostles. And so when Jesus says here in Matthew 25, when, you, uh, when he says, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. What is he talking about? Not simply good works to everybody out there, which is important. He's saying, as you listened to the apostles and the teaching of the apostles, as you listened to them, you listened to me. I can show this to you. If you have a Bible, I'll just, I'll just flip there. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus sends out the disciples, the 12 disciples. And he, sends, he says, I'm going to send you out to the lost sheep of Israel. And then he says to them, as you enter house, say shalom, or give it peace. And if the, if the house is worthy, your peace will come upon it. If it's not worthy, your peace will return to you. If anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust and move on. And then he says at the end of the chapter, whoever receives you, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. And there's more there, but uh, that's the gist. Jesus is saying here, truly I say, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. He's saying, as you have received the teaching of the apostles and supported it in any way, shape, or form, you did it to me. Just think for a moment. Other places in Scripture, does God rest our eternal destiny on how many good works we do? Right? Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, right? For by grace you're saved through faith. It's a gift of God. It's not by our amount of good deeds. No amount of good deeds will get us into the sheepfold, right? What gets us into the sheepfold? It's receiving the teaching of the apostles, which is receiving Jesus himself. Take a look at your bulletin cover again. I'm going to walk through this. Here's the message that comes to us today that we get to rejoice in. When he was on earth, do we believe that Jesus fed the 5,000 and the 4,000? You believe it? Yeah. Do you believe today 
that Jesus comes to feed us with his own body and to give us drink of his own blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Do you believe it? Yes. Then you are in the sheepfold. Do you believe that Jesus showed up to many houses like Zacchaeus and say, truly, now, this day, salvation has come to this house? Do you believe that Jesus showed up to people's houses who were estranged from God? He did. In fact, Luke says that his whole ministry was called a day of visitation. Do you believe that Jesus shows up to you today to take your estrangement from God and and bring you in? Do you believe it? Yeah, then you're in the sheepfold. Do you believe that Jesus, we could say God, provides all our daily needs, clothing us? Do you believe that? Yeah. Do you believe even more so that Jesus, as we read in the next chapters of Matthew, that he was crucified, that he died in our place, that he took the wrath of God for us, that he took the unrighteousness of us on him on the cross, and that he took it into the the tomb, and when he came out, he rose from the dead, and then he is now ready to give you his own righteousness? Do you believe it? Then you're in the sheepfold. Do you believe that Jesus showed up on earth to set people free, as we see there, the visit you while you're in prison. Does Jesus come to do that? His very first sermon in Luke chapter 4, he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Do you believe that Jesus has come to, to set those people back then free? Right? Literally, they got freed of so many things as he was there helping them. Do you believe he's here to set us free of guilt and shame, regrets, of a wayward life, of depression and anxiety and discord in our lives? Does he come to set us free? Yes, that you're in the sheepfold. Do you believe that Jesus on earth healed many, many people? Yeah, he did. It's like, this is not like Muhammad or Buddha. This is, this is the Christ. 135 times in the Gospels, it says the word crowd or great crowd. Why did they follow him? Because he healed them of all their diseases. And do you believe that Jesus will heal you? Even if it's not now, that in the last day, when he brings you into the eternal kingdom, you will be healed of all things forever? That he alone can do it? And that if he allows things now, that it will in the end, turn out to your good. If you believe that, then you're in the sheepfold. And lastly, this one is is not listed in your text in Matthew, but an active service in the church is to attend to those who are dying. Christians are the ones who invented hospitals. Do you believe that Jesus attended the death of people in his day? Think of his friend Lazarus. He wept at his tomb because he was his friend. Do you believe that Jesus weeps at the graveside when you go there? Yes, but that is not the end. Jesus said to Lazarus, who was dead, Lazarus, come out, and he came out. And that is the same thing that he says here in the last day, blessed, come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Dear brothers and sisters, we will be tempted to feed and clothe ourselves in some other way to be satisfied. We'll be tempted to visit things we ought not. We are tempted 
to find some other righteousness to clothe ourselves in. We're tempted to free ourselves from our oppressions. We're tempted to figure out our own solutions to the ailments of life. And we're tempted to lie to ourselves about life and death. But Jesus has come to set us free of all those things. And it's good news, is it? Is it not? Yes. And so, as we conclude here, Jesus is the one who comes to bring you his own sheep into his sheepfold forever. And he's promised to be with us even this week. This is probably our busiest week as a church all year. And you're thinking, yeah, and it starts with this long sermon. There's a lot going on with our living nativity. But Jesus promised the the 11 apostles that, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's for all Christians, all brothers and sisters. It's especially true as we share the good news, as we share this story of the one who has come for us. So take a look, one last look at your bulletin. See the top right? There's a little symbol there. It looks like a sunshine. It's the symbol of Christ, the key row. This is, this is Christ, and he shines on us. And because he has shown on us, we get to do these acts of service in his name. And we'll forget and at the last day, he'll say, remember when you did that? That was because your heart was open to the message. And we'll say, thank you, Jesus. So let's go this week. And in the joy of the good news, share the good, good news. I don't know if I said that right. In the joy of the gospel, let's share it. In the name of Jesus, amen.